It is so good to be with you. I'm grateful to have these moments with you to share with you from the Word of God. I'm so thankful that you would join us at Providence Church online to worship. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to begin with what is a very exciting announcement for us here at Providence. Our Christmas offering was $271,171. That's the largest offering that's ever been given at Providence Church, and we are giving it all away. (laughs) We're so amazed um, by your generosity, but even more so how God is working a miracle for his people. Because what this means is that there will be four water projects in northern Nicaragua. Clean, safe water will be first uh, dug a well in those villages and then run to every house. It means that lives will be changed. Um, that little girls whose destiny once would be to carry buckets of water from the time they could carry one to the end of their lives will now uh, be able to grow and thrive and go to school. It means that illnesses that would make people sick and even die will be eradicated. It is a kingdom gift. Uh, $55,000 of that gift will be going to Nicaragua. And then the rest of it, some uh, 200,000 plus will be going right here where we are in Mount Juliet to the Mount Juliet Help Center, the number one feeding agency in our community. We have a vision to see everyone fed in Wilson County. And we're so grateful for this abundant gift, which will allow families uh, that we go to school with and we work with to be able to have needs met, like bills paid, but also to go in and just to get food so that bellies will be full and people will sleep well and children will learn and our community will thrive. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Providence Church. I was thinking about our first Christmas Eve offering. We've been doing this since we started. Our first Christmas Eve offering was just over $5,000. And it went towards digging a well for clean water. Around that same time, uh, we began collecting food for folks in our community. And so now to see God expand upon those things, uh, those things 14 years ago were seeds that went into the ground, uh, seeds that went towards the kingdom that are now growing this beautiful fruit. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for using us. We thank you for the abundant generosity and sacrifice of your people. We pray your blessing upon the people of Northern Nicaragua. We pray for clean water uh, to come up out of the ground. And we pray for our community, God, that we will one day see this dream you've put on our heart, that everyone will be fed, everyone will be taken care of, and everyone will know that Jesus loves them. It's his name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Some of y'all have heard me tell a story of when I had my first panic attack. I was 20 years old. I was a college student. And I woke up in the middle of the night. My heart was pounding out of my chest, and I did not know what was going on. I thought I was having a heart attack, which makes no sense. But uh, the way I felt didn't make sense either. And so I drove myself by myself to the emergency room in my college town in the hospital. And I, I walked in the doors, and I'm like, what am I doing? I felt so Um, I felt like the walls were closing in on me. It was a a weird feeling. And there was a payphone there. And so I stopped and I decided I would call my parents. It's the middle of the night. And the phone rings, you know, once or twice. And I think, 
they're going to think this is crazy. And so I hang up the payphone. I didn't even have the, the wherewithal, the courage, the whatever to make sense of it, to go in and tell somebody what was going on. So I went back out. I got in my car and I drove around all night long by myself. It was a terrible night. And by the time I got back to this rented house that I had with seven other <laughs> college guys, they were all looking for me. Uh, it turns out my parents had seen the caller ID from their son's college town hospital, and they were looking for me. And it was that morning that my parents uh, took me to the doctor, and it was the first time I'd ever heard the phrase anxiety attack or panic attack, and I got some good help. I learned that day that anxiety was real, even if you don't understand it or have never even encountered it or thought you had. I learned that I didn't have to go it alone. I learned there were good people around me who would drive me where I needed to be. <laughs> and I learned in that season that God actually has a way of guarding the hearts of his people when they're anxious, that he has a way in the spirit to guard minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. And so it was my first experience to begin to claim uh, some of God's holy scriptures in my own life, just from my own life and my own heart, begin to speak them out and see the power that God could have when it felt like I was powerless. I memorized a verse that was easy for me to memorize because all the words just, I, I grabbed onto them so easily and I would speak it out into the night, in the middle of the night when those um, sensations happened again. And it just says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which doesn't make sense, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so when I was 20 and 21 and 22, I would say that verse over and over and over. And I began to find a, a power for my life in saying and claiming what God said was true about me, despite what I felt and despite what the circumstances made me think. I don't think that I really had any more panic attacks after I kind of got a grasp on it. Like that wasn't, that didn't become a part of my life. But as many of you know, a journey with anxiety certainly did. And my body kind of find different ways to experience that as the years went on. So that year was the year 2000, which felt futuristic when you're in the year 2000. <laughs> now it's a long time ago. Uh, and I don't think I had another panic attack until uh, you, may, you may be able to guess the next time I had a panic attack, panic attack, the year was 2021. And so last year in July, I had this uh, seizure that left an imprint on my heart, my family's heart in the weeks that followed after that. Out of nowhere, I felt that same fear, that 20-year-old fear again. And so I had to carry seizure pills in my pocket and I had an EpiPen <laughs> that I wore in a fanny pack. Yeah, I got a fanny pack. And guys are like, Armstrong, you got a fanny pack? I'm like, yes, I got a fanny pack. I wash stung me. It's been a hard <laughs> season. Anyways, um, everything felt pulled away again. I wasn't able to preach for a couple of months. And when I did, I started sitting in this chair, which I like now. There were several times that I was standing up preaching that I felt that fear come, and I'm guessing some of you may have even seen that in my eyes. I share all that with you to say, Jesus says that in this world, we'll have trouble. You will, I will. We will face and feel 
trouble. And I actually don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that the trouble that Jesus is talking about might feel something like the anxiety we experience. You know, anxiety is this physical, oftentimes a physical manifestation of a fear or a worry inside. It's the way anxiety, uh, fear kind of attaches to us, whether it's inside and outside, and sometimes it feels like it's both. And so I don't think it's too much of a stretch that when Jesus was talking about trouble, he could have been talking about that feeling that sometimes we have when our heart is pounding and the walls seem to be closing in. Think about it. Jesus even says one time when using the word trouble, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, which to me, (laughs) and it's my experience, that sounds just like anxiety. Don't let it happen. Don't don't let it grab you. Don't let the worry and fear consume you. Well, 2021, this year we just came out of it, was a big year for troubled hearts. In fact, uh, adults experiencing anxiety and depression, which oftentimes are just kind of two sides of the same coin, the amount of people feeling that way skyrocketed skyrocketed in 2020 when the pandemic began. So they did some initial studies that found before the pandemic, about eight and a half percent of adults in America would say, yeah, my heart's troubled. I'm feeling a lot of anxiety and depression. Well, just in the first few months of 2020, that number had gone up to 25%. And now new research that's just come out from the Boston University of Public Health reveals that in 2021, the number went up to 32.8%. That's one in every three Americans saying, my heart doesn't feel good right now. I feel troubled. Mental Health America, which is an organization committed to improving mental health and wellness, they did some research also recently that found that those that thought about suicide this year had increased by over 600,000 people over last year. That's nearly 15 million people who said this year, I feel like I've had enough. I feel like I've had enough. 10% of teenagers in America have what's considered severe anxiety and depression. That's enough anxiety and depression that it is affecting their daily functioning in their lives. Not only that, 15% of young adults, teenagers and young adults who are multiracial are feeling that way. And I bring that up because our church and our community has so many children who are multiracial and they're experiencing a lot of inner turmoil about who they are and what it means and they're, and they're, they're having trouble functioning. My wife, Rachel, was a mental health specialist at Vanderbilt Psychiatric Hospital for some years, and she worked commonly with adolescents. She's now our pastor of student ministries here at the church. And so I can just tell you, these aren't just statistics that I found on the internet. We're talking about the students in our community and our church. Their hearts, our hearts are troubled. And Jesus said, bank on it in this world. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome it all. I've overcome all those things. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, so the, the world can be whatever. The wor- it can be the 2020 world, the pandemic. It can be the 2021 world where the pandemic's still going on, but now we're just so tired of all the trouble. It can be 2022, you know, which I think is going to be awesome, but there's still going to be trouble. Jesus is saying, take heart. I've overcome the world. Those worlds, your world. He's saying you can be encouraged, you can have courage, you can lift up your head, you can walk forward, you can stand up straight, you can come out of the darkness, you can get up out of the pit. And so with all that, with Jesus saying that, we kind of want to say, okay, we want to do that, Jesus, but what do we do when when we've run out of gas? You know, what what do we do when we've cried all our tears? What do we do when we don't have any emotion left? What do we do? And we tried everything to keep our heads up. I hear you saying, take heart, but we feel so tired. We feel broken down. 
And Jesus is saying, yes, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. And so I wanna join you in the second week of the series. Uh, the prayer that I've had leading up to this moment is, okay, Jesus, would you teach us then? Would you teach us what you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Jesus? What does it mean to take heart? What, what does it mean to grab a hold of courage, to claim it in this moment? What does that look like? And to understand that today, I wanna to look at three times when Jesus said he was troubled. When Jesus said, this is how I'm feeling. When I think Jesus would have felt some of the physical manifestations of worry and concern, what we might call anxiety. The first is when one of his friends died. And that'll do it, right? When somebody you love dies. His name was Lazarus. He was the brother of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were just sort of like Jesus' people, the people he did life with, the people he loved. He ate at their house. He crashed there some nights. They loved each other. They were friends. And Lazarus dies. And it's not just that Lazarus dies. It's that his friends, Mary and Martha, are saying to Jesus, we think you could have done something to help us. And where were you? That's what Mary says to Jesus when she encounters him after the death of her brother. She says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus has to carry that statement. Uh, the next verse says that when Jesus saw her weeping, his friend Mary weeping, and all the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. He experienced trouble. Two verses later, Jesus is weeping. He's crying his eyes out. What kind of trouble is this? It's the trouble of loss and grief. If you're in grief right now, loss, you may know anxiety. And it may not be that much different than what Jesus experienced. Some of your grief is your own loss. Some of your grief is seeing the people you love who are also grieving. And some of it is this question that you don't wanna ask yourself anymore, but you can't help to ask, what could I have done? And so that's a trouble that many of us know. It's a trouble that some of us began to step into and learn just over this last year. And Jesus knew it very well. The trouble of loss and grief, it causes anxiety. One chapter later, so that was chapter 11, one chapter later in chapter 12, Jesus is troubled again. In this instance, Jesus is talking to Philip and Andrew, two of his disciples, two of his close guys, and he's telling them in true Jesus fashion, uh, something really important, but he's using a metaphor, he's using a picture. And what he's telling them is he is going to die. Jesus is getting closer to giving all of himself away. And this is what he says. He says, very truly, I tell you, he's telling his two friends. He says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is foreshadowing his own death and what kind of life and renewal and new things will come out of him going into the ground. But then he says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. This beautiful picture we get, this intimate picture of Jesus wrestling with what God is asking him to do and can he do it? Jesus is experiencing the trouble of, do I have what it takes? <laughs> he's in that moment, he's anxious as he considers what God is asking him to do and considers if he will be able to do it. And this is the, you know, am I gonna cut it kind of trouble? Do I have what it takes? You may be feeling that trouble right now. 
You might be thinking, I know God, you called me to be a mom of teenagers, but I don't think I have what it takes. I know God, you called me to this holy moment of caring for my aging mom and dad, but my soul is troubled because I still feel like the kid. There is a trouble and anxiety that comes when we aren't sure we can do it. The pandemic has exacerbated this, of course, as we have longed for the normal of 2019, a normal we understood. And now the normal is that stress comes back and when it begins to dissipate, it comes back again. And we think, I know that I've made it this far, God, but I'm not sure I can make it any farther. The trouble, the anxiety of do I have what it takes is very real. And Jesus knew that trouble. He voiced it to God. Can I do this? Am I supposed to do this? That's chapter 12. Uh, The Lazarus story was chapter 11. Now in, in chapter 13, Jesus faces trouble again. Verse 21 of chapter 13 says, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. This is the trouble of people letting you down. It's very significant. And Jesus was facing it with his closest folks, knowing that they were going to stab him in the back. They were going to let him down. And guys, this causes a lot of anxiety, the trouble of people let me down. <laughs> you know, he's, he's looking at his closest friends and saying, you're going to let me down. It's very troubling. That's what Jesus says. He's, he's troubled in his spirit. One of you guys is going to, walk out of this room and stab me in the back. And if your life is anything like Jesus, there are people that have actually sat at your table that are gonna break your heart and it's troubling. Chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, Jesus experiences trouble. And now I'm going to briefly give you a word from the next three chapters chapter 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus begins to show us what it means to take heart and what it means that he has overcome all of this trouble. In chapter 14 comes one of Jesus' most famous lines, and we see the word again. It says, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. So how do we take heart? The first thing we do is we trust Jesus. We start trusting him. And the only way to start trusting is to start trusting. The only way (laughs) to start trusting someone is to start trusting them. What we get hung up on, of course, is are they going to be trustworthy? That's a different thing. That's about keeping on trusting someone. What we're being invited to here by Jesus is that initial step, and that is I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. I'm going to trust Jesus with my heart. I'm going to trust Jesus with my mind. I'm going to trust Jesus in the middle of the night. I'm going to trust Jesus when I'm weeping. I'm going to trust Jesus when my friends betray me. I'm going to trust Jesus when I feel like I can't cut it. And the only way to start doing that is to start doing that. It's just to say, all right, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. What we will find, of course, is that he's trustworthy. People that start trusting Jesus, keep on trusting him because he's faithful, he's good, and he does not let them down. That's chapter 14, trust me, Jesus says. Chapter 15, he says, 
remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Chapter 15 of John is a beautiful passage. Uh, It's called the vine and the branches. It's another one of those metaphors, those pictures that Jesus gives to try to understand a deep spiritual truth. We're actually gonna do a whole series on it a little bit later in the year. But for today, when we think about taking heart, how do we take heart? We have to stay connected to Jesus. You and I have to do some things to stay connected. We worship together like this. We read God's word. We memorize God's word. We go to a small group. These are things we do. We wanna keep our head up. We wanna push anxiety away. We have to stay connected to Jesus. He says, you have to remain in me. And he says, I will remain in you also. My opening story of my journey with anxiety shows you all the things not to do. Don't face your fears alone. Don't drive yourself to the hospital. Don't drive around all night. And what you have to begin to do is actually do something that's different than isolating and focusing on your own fears. What I learned to do was speak God's word into the dark in the middle of the night. And it changed my heart and it changed my mind. And so I'm inviting you today to consider what would it mean not for you just to trust Jesus, but to remain in him, to seek to live a life that's patterned in such a way that you're hearing his voice, you're staying connected to him, you're around people who are doing the same thing and you're keeping your mind uh, renewed and you're keeping your heart focused on him. How do we take heart? Um, Finally, is you just have to claim it. This is what we hear, I think, from Jesus in chapter 16. So 11, 12, 13, we see that Jesus is one who experiences trouble. He's showing us that's a part of his existence in his life, but then he does not leave us abandoned. He gives us ways that we can see in the midst of our troubled lives to live a different kind of life where we actually have hearts again, hearts that beat, hearts that love, hearts that feel, hearts that break, hearts that do all those things, but they're connected to Jesus. And so this claiming it, I think is what Jesus is letting us in on in the take heart statement. It means that there is an action that you and I can take that is spiritual in nature, commanded by Jesus that will lead us through trouble. We are so often focused on these physical things, which are really important, especially in the journey with anxiety. Physical things are really important. But Jesus has given us a spiritual key, a spiritual claim that we can take, that we can stake. And that is that we can take heart, we can claim courage, we can claim strength, we can speak that word. And in the spirit, in the supernatural realm, there's a power that Jesus is giving us just by doing doing that. Um, What we're doing here, what Jesus is doing with us, he's moving us from a sort of milk to solid food here. He's saying, remember in John chapter 16, he's saying, I'm leaving you guys. I'm going away, but you're going to be able to make it. (laughs) He said, "I'm, I'm going back to the father, but don't be troubled because I'm preparing a room for you there. In that world, there's going to be a room for you. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because Jesus says, I have overcome this world. So I have a couple of um, questions for you to sort of close this out, to ponder on as we continue on this journey of taking heart. You know, I told you about my own struggle. I read you the statistics that there are many who who are struggling. And I heard something else, another uh, part of a study that said that you actually can't have anxiety and gratitude in your mind at the same time. 
And I think that's a piece of what Jesus is showing us and calling us to take heart, to claim things, to say things, to, to speak them. Because what we do in that positive action, rather than losing heart and taking heart, we can push those things away so that we can see him. So my, other, my, my first question for you just uh, uh, today is, who else, you know, who else is anxious? Like when we identify with Jesus in the scripture, there's a power in that, but there's also a power in us. Uh, I didn't just share you a bunch of statistics because I wanted you to know how bad it was last year. I wanted you to hear that you are not alone and that we are doing this together. So I would just want to ask, you know, who else? Who else had a heck of a year, you know? Who else's heart uh, is really tired? I mean, this is just through video right now. I mean, you can raise your hand. You can speak that to God. You can let those tears flow you know, whatever you need to do. I mean, I would just ask him like, who else, you know? Who else had an experience like me um, where you're like, if I can go one step further than I did the day before, that'll be a victory. I'm taking heart, I'm taking courage. Uh, who else? And the second question is, who else is ready by the authority of Jesus to take heart? Who else is ready to claim strength and power in Jesus? to believe that he has a peace that doesn't make sense based on what you're facing, but he can guard your heart and guard your mind because he is the Lord. In all these scriptures that I've read to you in John, there's a place where Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And we believe that Jesus, he's the way that you're looking for. He's the truth in the lies that you're hearing. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Oh God, as we uh, reflect on your word today, we pray that you would work um, spiritually in our hearts to begin to free us from the things that have gripped us. Begin to show us how our stories and our journeys are a part of our healing, that you've been with us all the way. In prayer now, God, we come to you and trust you we trust you, Jesus. In prayer now, we come and seek to remain in you, Jesus, like a branch to a vine. And we claim today this word you've given us to take heart, to take strength, and to take courage. Would you, Lord, now encourage our spirits, lift us, and renew us for the life that you have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.